Granite State Game Day with Sean Sendall. I am the smartest man alive! And the coach. What's going on? I said, it's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. Mike Bellevue. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Talking everything from New Hampshire high school athletics, through the collegiate ranks, and up to the professionals. Nothing is off the table with these two. Second hour, Granite State game day here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm Sean Sendall alongside the coach, Mike Bellevue, and we have uh, not been speaking about any high school athletics. Why? Because they're in between seasons, well, for the most part, as we approach the beginning of basketball season for your high schools. Of course, football, soccer, all of that is over. So we've been concentrating on collegiate and professional athletics and uh, of course, talking about the Patriots and coaches lamenting over what types of offense they should run and how they do it. And a uh, coach, I'm I'm going to lean toward your side for a different reason. However, I think they need to start running the types of offense that you're suggesting, simply because the defense isn't good enough. I don't think it's the Gronkowski factor. I think it's it's the fact that. They need to score more frequently. However, we close the last hour by saying there's a possibility Belichick knows his defense isn't good enough and is trying to keep them off the field. And that only gets you so far. For the Patriots, that's gotten them at least to an AFC Championship game. And if they don't make an AFC Championship game this season, it is a bust. Because they have enough talent to get there. Gronkowski aside, now I know everyone is, as you said, no Gronkowski means that that there's no chance season's over. Now, season over means not winning a Super Bowl for New England fans. They're extremely spoiled. Yes, That's what they talk about. They say, without Gronk, we might be able to get there, but we won't win. Or we might not even be able to get there. I I disagree 100%. And I love Gronk, but I disagree. I think we we have enough weapons. Offensively. Offensively, yes. I don't think... The Patriots' defense has enough weapons. I think that the secondary is suspect. I think that the linebacking core, one that we thought was a strength to go into it, is uh, not as talented as we thought. I I think the world of Hightower, I think Hightower is extremely talented. Aside from Dante Hightower, they're not as good as we had expected and hoped going into the regular season. The defensive line is I'd say I'd say it's in the middle is good. Malcolm Brown and and um the big guy who just got accused uh Jabal Sheard. Well, Sheard's an edge player. Uh, the big uh Allen Branch. Allen Branch, sorry. I, I always, think those two have been really good in the middle. I always confuse Sheard and Branch. I don't know why cuz <laughs> I know they play next to each other. I, yeah, I'm they do sure play why. next to each other. I uh, I think the defensive line, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be the biggest strength of the defense. So I actually think they've underperformed a little bit for me. Oh, yes. I mean, have we really heard much of Rob Nikovich? Rob Nikovich is not the same player he used to be. I know. He's and, not. And Sheard has been in and out of the lineup, and, and Chris Long is, well, he made a big play last week, but he was a little silent two weeks prior he to shows, that. He shows flashes. the flashes of why, the reasons why I said I love this, Yeah, and then he disappears. Yeah. And, but it could be the fact that, he, you know, in the sport of football, when you hit age 30, you're going to begin your decline, and it's usually pretty rapid at a position other, aside from quarterback. And in the linebacker core, we trade away Jamie Collins. That's an obvious one, but a less obvious one is we sign a kid named, I think, Jonathan Freeney to like a four or five year deal, and he hasn't even played this year, I think, because of injury. Yeah. Um, so we're really, you know, Landon Roberts in the middle along with Hightower, who's got to give us everything he's got. You know. and, but look, eventually Hightower is going to be hurt. Uh, he was hurt earlier in the season. Collins wore the green dot when he was hurt. In fact, that was probably Collins' best game yeah. uh, when he was with the Patriots. But Hightower's going to be hurt. Much like Mayo was going to be hurt at the end of his career, and Hightower always stepped in and played phenomenally, I'm afraid Dante Hightower, because he does so much, he's that Gerard Mayo, he's going to get you, he's going to lead your defense in tackles generally. He's going to do more than just that. He's going to fly all over the field. He's not going to be in the backfield getting sacks, but he's generally going to be the first to the ball and stop the running back for a minimal gain. That's his job. He does it very well. But we've seen year in, year out, 
he misses a few games. Yes. And what if when he misses a few games, it's game number 17, week 17 that goes into the playoffs? That could be a problem, a major problem, because your secondary is not talented enough. I don't think you have a big hitter in your, you know, Chung is not consistent to be a big big hitter. Does he hit big sometimes? Yeah, yes. he hits big sometimes. You don't have, a, in my opinion, a free safety who's going to get you a ton of interceptions. I know that's supposed to be McCourty's job. No, but... and he gets paid handsomely for it. I I like Devin McCourty, but is he a little overrated? I think he's a little overrated. Okay. I truly I truly think I wonder that. If you're, I think you might be right. And, and I love the guy. He's a class act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... And I think he's talented. But he's he's being paid as one of the top guys, and he's yeah. not a big hitter. We knew that he's supposed no, to be he's not a big hitter. traditional free safety who's going to go get a few interceptions. You know, where are those? Where are those? You know, and and Chung is late half the time to where he's supposed to be. You saw it when he was with the Patriots the first time around. Uh, you, I don't, I won't bring up the the time I'm thinking when he was a little bit late with that catch on his the helmet and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But I. I I'm not sure the secondary is talented enough. You always had questions about the corners. Malcolm Butler aside, who, again, I, he's had some mistakes. You, he faces up against a, a high flyer who, can, if, if they gets around him, he can't catch up. And that's, that's okay. Look, not everyone can. But he's had some mistakes this season. But everyone else, uh, Rowe, um, Coleman, Ryan, Logan Ryan, where is Ryan? Like it seems like they've been starting Rowe and playing Coleman early in these games. And I saw Ryan last week. I okay. just I, I, I haven't seen enough of him. I haven't. I every time he's in, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see what they. I don't see a talented, you know, a top three corner. I don't. And this to me is the Patriots' problem. And with the defense not playing now, look. I am. I am. Maybe some people out there will say I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. There is some talent on the team, but right now it's the weakness. And because of that, does that then necessitate the offense to score more? Or does it necessitate the offense to try and keep the ball longer? Have a, a longer time of possession to keep them off the field? I want to see a 2007 offense go up and down the field and I know they had Moss and Welker and all that, but I kind of want to see that approach. I want to see them try to outscore every opponent. I don't want to see them play ball control football and try and keep their defense rested and on the field. I just and try to win games seventeen thirteen. I don't want to see that at all. I I don't enjoy that as a fan, but I don't think. But more importantly, I don't think that's a recipe for them to get to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. Do you see? Look, if they were the Dallas Cowboys with a great balanced attack between run and pass and a great offensive line, sure, that's an approach. And that's gotten Dallas, what are they, 10-1, and 11-1? and one? It's unbelievable. 11-1. and one. Wow. But I think the Patriots, if they become – I hope it starts tomorrow that they become a little more one-dimensional offensively and use their short passing game as a glorified running game. And, and I just think that that's – get the ball short to Amendola and get the ball short to Lewis and get it to Edelman and let him run after the catch. And every now and then slip Martellus Bennett down a seam and see what you can do with that. And then when you get the lead and you feel good about winning big, pound blunt down the stretch. That's how I want to see it done. Do the Patriots need a big win today? Or tomorrow, excuse me. They snuck by the Jets. They snuck by the Niners, two teams that will be at the top of the I, draft. I agree with you. I think they need a decisive win. I really do. I'd be disappointed if it's close tomorrow. I really think they need to put the hammer down tomorrow offensively. Do you think they get that decisive win? I do. I think that they're going to – again, I'm I'm thinking they're going to really open it up. I, I see them winning tomorrow, you know, and Brady cutting it loose 44-13. to, to 13. Are there any concerns for you about that? As the first thing I mentioned for the Los Angeles Rams is their defensive line, in particular, arguably the best defensive lineman this season in uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. Is there any concern with an offensive line, who, again, I think is playing better than uh, many parts last year, but there's still, you know, it's not the guys you expected to be in there. There are still a couple guys that you perceive as backups in there. Is there any concern with the pass rush? The way you beat Tom Brady is three or four people rushing, and you get to him, and you can drop everyone else because that that leaves you know three guys running around trying to get open with 
seven of them being covered, or seven guys to cover. I couldn't agree more that's the way to beat Brady, to rush four, get to him, and drop seven. I totally agree. And whenever anyone's ever gotten to them with the four or the three, it's a recipe to beat Brady. I really I couldn't agree. But I actually think I actually think with Solder, Tooney, Andrews, is it Mason and then Mason Cannon? Mason and Cannon, yeah. And now Cannon feeling much better about himself with that contract extension. And listen, they know a lot more than I do. I guess he's playing well. I mean, they watched the film. It doesn't look like he's playing super well, but <laughs> they gave him big money. Um, and I really like I really like Tooney and Andrews in the middle, the young guys. Yep. I think we're going to be okay. I was worried about the O-line. Now I'm feeling good about it. We've got a consistent five. We're going with it. Last week you saw the Jets, and the Jets, in my opinion, have that same type of, off, of defense. Excuse me. They want to rush three or four, and they want to drop everyone else. But in the past, they've been able to drop everyone else and have Darrell Rivas lock up a single single offensive player not the case anymore you said the jets give have given the patriots fits in the past and that style of play that all that defense has given them fits we saw it last weekend is it isn't it a possibility that this this defense is built similarly which i believe it is could give the patriots fits again yeah what gave the pats fits in the first half last week is the jets as you pointed out so eloquently the the jets front three or four got to brady his first four passes of the game, he was either knocked down or sacked, but mostly just knocked down. And to the Pats' credit, second-half adjustments were such that Brady all of a sudden got clean in the pocket and was able to really throw for bigger yards and, and have more time um, to find the Hogans down the seam and and get Mitchell in the end zone a couple times. That was good. But, um, yeah, I do think that the Rams have a similar front to the Jets, but I'm hoping that their secondary is not as good, even though Revis is in the declining part of his career. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, you know, secondary not being as good, I'm not sure that the Jets' secondary is all that good right now, to be quite quite frank. And and they were still able to 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 get things done. The Rams' secondary. You know, I'm I'm looking at who they have, and and I, I you know I'm not seeing anyone uh, special. Uh, EJ Gaines is a corner. Tremaine Johnson's a corner. No one that jumps out right. as special corners in regard to linebackers. Again, I I think you're looking at Aaron Donald, uh, Robert Quinn. Those guys on the defensive line. That's their strength. Um, they actually, I I believe they also have. Dominique Easley as one of their backups, uh, so he knows he knows the, the, the Patriots. Yeah. He knows the Patriots system. He he knows the Patriots. Maybe I'm just banking on a 40 degree sunny day. Patriots seem like they haven't been home in forever. It's probably been three weeks, and I just I don't know. I just think that tomorrow's the day that we light it up and set the rest of the season in motion and put the negativity surrounding Gronk's back surgery behind us a little bit and. Ooh, I just saw an unbelievable goal in soccer. Sorry, sorry. I like I, this is a big game. Chelsea and Man City. I had to put it on in the background. It's a, oh. this is a big game. It should be a really fun game to watch too. So it's behind me though, so you get to watch it. <laughs> it was an unbelievable shot, Coach. What the offense? I'll read you their their offensive weapons. Jared Goff, first game last week. He had a bit of a connection with second game or first game. Oh, it might be his. It was a second, second game last yeah. week, right. Um, he found a bit of a connection with Kenny Britt, who we've seen in the past as a talent, but a bit of a head case maybe, uh, which with uh, some age he's matured a little bit. Uh, Tavon Austin, I, I just think, is kind of a fast guy. who Out of out of West Virginia, right? Yeah. The quick guy? Yeah. yeah I thought he was going to be better. Ironically enough, their other uh, receiver is, last name, Quick. Uh, Brian Quick, who's had a decent season for them as well. Three touchdowns, all of those uh, coming early. Those are the three guys you will see in uh, as receivers. The running backs, Todd Gurley had a phenomenal season last year yeah. as a rookie. This season, however, not the same type, uh, you know, whether people have figured him out. Uh, he is he only has four touchdowns on the season and 600 almost 650 rushing yards. So it's not the same 
he, he's not running the same way as he had last year, suffice it to say. That said, he's still a talent. So, what's more concerning? The rookie quarterback finding uh, a couple decent receivers or an underachieving running back who had a great season last year? Or any of it? Is any of it concerning? No. Not to me, even with the Pats defense being inconsistent. I don't see the Rams running or throwing on the Pats tomorrow. I don't see them being able to move the ball hardly at all. I see them having a punt, 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 and the Patriots getting great field position and just moving the ball up and down the field all day long. I think you're going to see an absolute Patriot blowout, shootout, and it's going to give us hope that that's how they approach the rest of the season because we're still staring down the barrel of at Denver in a couple of weeks. That we are, and I think another team that you'd have to be cognizant about playing or aware of playing is Baltimore. Yes. Oh, yes. That's. I don't know. I think it's – oh, is it at Baltimore? I hope not. Um, I'll, I'll double-check on that. I hope that one's home. But the for the New England Patriots, Baltimore is – well, they're, they're a talented team, talented enough. It is it, – oh, they're hosting Baltimore Monday night. Uh, next Monday. Next Monday? Next Monday. So it's That'll Los Angeles game. Rams game. tomorrow, yeah. and then Monday the 12th will be hosting uh, Baltimore. The only the toughest game they have on the road moving forward is Denver. Yeah, Denver. Uh, Always tough. In fact, the only two games they have on the road moving forward, there are only f- six games left. I'm sorry, five games left. Right, five left. How five many? left. Three at home? Three at home, two on the road. Final game is on the road in Miami. Always tough. I can't stand saying that, but it's true. It is, and you know what? Miami's making a push for they the playoffs. Are. They are. And that game could be the difference for them. That could mean getting into the playoffs or not, uh, the last game of the regular season. And Denver. So you have to visit Denver on December 18th, and then on New Year's Day, you're visiting the Miami Dolphins. So we got the Jets still coming in. So we got the Rams, the Jets, and Baltimore coming in, and we go to Denver and Miami. The Jets game is actually Saturday, Christmas Eve. That's not necessarily a five and zero run for the Patriots. No, I, I don't. I don't think it is. I think that traveling to Denver is going to be very difficult. I think hosting Baltimore is going to be very difficult, and going I think to going to Miami is going to be very difficult. So that's three games, and the Jets always play them always, well. Always play them tough. Like the last eight Patriot Jets games have been settled by seven points or less. So you're looking for a decisive, definitive win this weekend. Yes, get one of them out of the way. Get it just and get it done. Well, get it done strong. Show the league that you aren't the third, fourth best team in the league. Show them that you're the best team in the AFC, arguably. Yes. May have a decisive win and then host Baltimore. And that if you have a decisive strong win against Baltimore, who I know hasn't had the best season, but they're still a talented team, especially that sure. defense that as defense usual. Defense is tough. And for whatever reason you always struggle against Flacco who just throws the ball down the field. Yo, you you Patriots always do. And Flacco plays well against the Patriots. He likes to All throw the ball down the field. All of a sudden, he finds Dennis Pitta for like nine catches and 140 yards. He whips yards it down the field, touchdowns. and if they don't if they don't catch it, it'll be a pass interference. That's that's Flacco's game. Steve Smith will come yapping and, and jarring with somebody, and he'll probably have a big game. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens are first in the AFC North, but they're sitting at six and five. So it's a team that they're a good six and five. Right, they're a right. very good six and five. But against if the Los possible. Angeles Rams. You need a decisive win. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm not sure I'd li- that they're going to run that type of offense that you want. However, I'm beginning to think, not beginning, that they need to, but they haven't because they're really weary of their defense being on the field. The, the faster they run the ball up and down the field, the more frequently they score means the more frequently the defense is going to be on the field, and I truly think they're concerned about that. And that's a problem because that that's a recipe for a loss prior to the AFC Championship game. That's a recipe for a loss. That's a recipe for a loss that you had against uh, Ray Rice and the Baltimore mm. Ravens coming in uh, for that uh, divisional game. That's the it's uh, like the Jets coming in and couldn't stop a nosebleed game. That's the recipe that you're looking at right now. Strong offense. Not the best defense, can't stop a nosebleed, and they lose hosting at home, don't even get to the AFC Championship game. That is the type of team right now that, unfortunately, I'm seeing, in my opinion. Talented, 
but will be surprised in the first round of the, the well, the technically the second round of the playoffs, but their first game, which they will that they will host because they'll have a bye. That's my concern, coach. That is truly what I'm seeing right now. You're seeing a Super Bowl team, an AFC Championship team. I'm seeing a team that will be upset in the second round of the playoffs in Foxborough. Oh my goodness! By 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 a Raider team by no the Raiders they, Denver so, coming in with. Trevor if, Simeon. I mean, it wouldn't be the Raiders because no. right now, well, if all if the, if it goes the way it's looking, the Raiders will have be the top seed in the AFC. Not by a we, Pittsburgh team. Not although I could see the Pittsburgh. I could see the Steelers we winning well against them. Yeah. I could absolutely see the Steelers. I do winning. like the Steelers a lot, though. I have to say, I love I love Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. That's a fun team to watch. Roethlisberger. I don't think he. I don't know. I what don't about think the he Miami gets enough Dolphins? Credit. I know. Would you be concerned about seeing yes. them again? You know why? Because I think their front. See, there's a defensive front with Cameron Wake and the same thing we're talking about me. for the Los Sue. Angeles Rams, though. The same thing we talk about with the Jets. The same thing we talked about with how you beat Brady and the Giants showed it. You know, twice. You rush three or four. You get to him. You hustle. You you, you get into into him enough, and you have they have seven people covering three or four wide receivers. That's how you beat them, and right now, there's a possibility of Baltimore doing that. There's a possibility of Kansas City doing that with Justin Houston back. There's a possibility of of Houston doing that. There's a possibility of Miami doing that. All of those teams, if if the season ended today, would be in the playoffs. That's not counting Denver, who's just barely on the outside looking in, who can also do that, and Pittsburgh, who's barely on the outside looking in, who could also do that. And the Bills, who are just barely on the outside looking in. Those are all teams that they they Those are all teams that are close and could give the Patriots one heck of a game, but I do think the Patriots get by all of them and get to the Super Bowl. You don't. By the way, right now the Patriots own the tiebreaker against the Raiders um based on conference wins. Seven and one to the Raiders six and one. That just means they played okay. more games right. within conference right now. So the Raiders will catch up to that number. Uh, if they get the win, right. but as of today, they own the tiebreaker and would be the one to top seed. Uh, but it's sitting at the same record; it, that's going to keep going back and forth. So we'll see what happens there. Raiders don't have that front, but they have a much talent, more talented offense. So what would you rather see? <laughs> the more talented offense come in, yes, or the more talented defense. The more talented, and offense. then doesn't it come down to having to beat them all anyway? There's my concern. Okay. Quick timeout, we get back. We will wrap up our Patriots discussion and talk about some professional basketball and collegiate basketball that will be on today in the Celtics game from last night on Granite State Game Day, ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy. We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and I will never forget meeting Alyssa, who suffered from hyperacusis. Alyssa virtually lived in her dark bedroom, and when I spoke with her, I had to do so in a gentle whisper. What is hyperacusis? Well, imagine being at a movie where the soundtrack is turned way, way up. After five minutes, you just have to leave holding your ears. Things like turning newspaper pages, running water, your child placing dishes on the table, all are intolerable to someone like Alyssa. Hyperacusis is a strange condition, but even people who suffer from serious migraines experience it. Now, you may not know someone like Alyssa, but her story underscores that all of us are being constantly bombarded with noise. So friend, take the earplugs out and turn down the volume. And when you have a chance, visit disabilitycampaign.org to learn more about hyperacusis and other disabilities. Outdoor Almanac. 
brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. You don't have to be a history major to know that a lot has changed since 1865. Just look out your back door. As author Jack Noon explained in the January-February edition of Wildlife Journal in an article titled 150 Years Conserving New Hampshire's Wildlife. In 1865, the legislature authorized the governor to appoint two commissioners on fisheries who quickly set to work introducing landlocked salmon and smallmouth bass to the state and attempting to restore the salmon and shad runs. A few years after that, the fish commissioners were charged with wildlife responsibilities as well. Hunting licenses were introduced for non-residents in 1903. In 1917, fishing licenses became available. In that 150 years, there have been many fish and game success stories and some that didn't quite make the cut. But because of those efforts that started in 1865, seeing deer, moose, bear, eagles, and turkeys is not the uncommon occurrence it once was. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. You're never too old, too wacky, too wild to pick up a book and read with a child. This is Scott McGilvery, President of the National Education Association, New Hampshire. Reading to your child now can spark a lifetime of reading and learning. Parents, we know you're tired at the end of the long day, but by taking just a few minutes to read with your child, you'll be setting them on a path towards reading and learning on their own. And studies show students who read, and I read too, do better in school and in life. So have books that interest your child around the home. If your child enjoys sports, have books about sports. If your child enjoys ballet, have books about dancing. With parents and teachers working together, every child in New Hampshire can learn to read, and reading may be the most important thing they'll ever learn. Great public schools are a basic right for every student. A message from NEA New Hampshire. Outdoor Almanac. Brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. When many people think of wildlife in New Hampshire, most don't get past deer, bear, moose, turkey, coyote, fox, and fisher. Oh yeah, maybe a skunk. But on the 25th anniversary of the non-game and endangered wildlife program, they probably should. There are so many other critters that are residents of the state that are part of the outdoor landscape that we see and often take for granted. They deserve another look. As John Cantor, coordinator of Fish and Games Non-Game and Endangered Wildlife Program, said so eloquently, quote, When nature is thrown off course, we have a responsibility to help it get back on track. Knowing how much the people of New Hampshire care about their wildlife and wild places, I can't help but think that the future looks bright, unquote. We should all hope that John's optimism will be realized because history is full of examples of after years of turning a blind eye to wildlife issues when it was too late. Societies would say, oops, that's not a word we need to use. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Interested in pursuing a career in radio or television? Visit NHAB.org, the online home of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters. Visit our online job bank at NHAB.org to view current job openings and even post your resume for potential employers. Students, visit NHAB.org to apply for the NHAB Student Broadcaster Scholarship and learn about available internships. NHAB.org, the online source of Granite State Broadcasting. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Score prediction, Coach. Oh, I never looked up the damn song, the last song. I'm not even sure how I'm going to figure it out. Anyway, score prediction of Patriots hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Score prediction. 44 to 10, New England. Holy crap. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> 44 to 10. And that's like, and that's at the end, like taking a knee going in, which they could get over 50, but they're going to be nice because Belichick likes Jeff Fisher. 44 to 10. Really? Could be higher. Really? Yeah. Wow, coach. That's Yeah, they're not, they're. They're done just kind of playing around in the teens and 20s. They're, they're ready to cut it So loose. you have confidence in what you want to see them do. Good weather. Happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to play really well offensively tomorrow. This, at halftime, they'll have like 27 points. Now, I agree with you in one aspect. I think that the Rams will only score. I'm going to give them 13. I'm going to give them two field goals. But it's it'll be minimal number of points. So I'm I'm gonna say one touchdown, two field goals, so 13 points. Um, I'm seeing something along the lines of you know a, a 34 to to 13 game. That's that's 
Still a good thrashing, but yeah, yeah, not no, I see them forty-four going up. to ten. I see them getting having a real a game over forty points. It's been a, it's been a little too long this year. It's time to cut everyone loose. It's time to get that decisive win, and I know it doesn't matter who it's against because you you didn't beat the teams, the weaker teams, in decisive fashion that you had a chance with Jets, the 49ers. You didn't beat them decisively. Hell, you lost to the Bills. You you need a decisive win, and you need to keep pace, let's face it, with the Raiders. The AFC is a logjam right now of teams that are just – aside from the Patriots and Raiders with just two losses – and Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, who because they're in the Raiders division, have three losses. It's there are there's a lot of talent there. Broncos, if all of a sudden done today with uh, at seven and four, four losses would be on the outside looking in because the, they lost to the Chiefs head to head, and so they have one more loss right now than than the Chiefs and the Raiders have only two losses. If if now not all these teams can win out. Some of them are playing each other. So some things will uh, become more clear at some point. Again, you know that Miami Dolphins have to play New England Patriots at the end of the season. So some of these will become more clear. But as of right now, the there's no clear-cut consensus. These are at least the, probably the likely four teams to to be in. It it could be a wide variety of a number of – for the six playoff spots, it could be up to ten different teams, in my mm. opinion. And that includes going all the way down the Tennessee Titans. Because they're in a division with the Houston Texans and with the Indianapolis Colts. That and look, the Colts. You want to go not, down all the way to eleven? There's on right. sub five hundred right now. I'm not impressed with Houston at all. Ostweilers had a lousy year. I, I can't believe they're even hanging around. I can't believe it. But the division's so bad. Right, the division's I so like bad. I like Tennessee in that division. Uh, Tennessee's sitting at six and six, so they're I outside like because Houston has six and five. Right. So they just played one more game. Have have Tennessee. They haven't hit that their bye week yet, and the Colts are five and six. So all of them are right around that same spot. Any one of them could jump into the playoffs. Now, the Colts again better offense, not as good of a defense, and even still, their offensive line blows. Tennessee, I think, I think has a pretty good team. They're so pretty well rounded. I like Mariota a lot. I do. I like. I just like him. I, I like honestly, Demarco Murray has played yeah, well for them. So I agree with that. And, so, and Derrick Henry as a backup there. So. AFC is wide open in that sense, so you have no idea what's going to happen. But to get a decisive win this week and then turn around and look at Baltimore, again, Baltimore's scraping by right now. They're scrapping for every win possible because they have to. Talk about another division. Sitting at 6-5, and five, they're in the playoffs. Why? Because Pittsburgh is sitting at 6-5 and five outside the playoffs. Hmm. So one of those teams is going to win that division. Cincinnati's clearly not, and the Browns, let's not even talk about it. <laughs> but one of those teams is going to win, and Ravens know that Pittsburgh's right there on their heels with the same record. So the three come from the West, do you think? Do you think three teams from the West? Do you think it's going to be like... Well, the question is, do, three, course, come from, do yeah. three come from the West, or does two come, do two come from the AFC East? Yeah. Does Miami get in there? Does Miami get in there, or do the Bills do sneak the Billies, in? Are the Billies six and five? Six and five. And Miami seven and four. Correct. Wide open AFC. And the only reason right now the tiebreaker goes to the Dolphins over the Broncos is based on win percentage in conference games. And that just means that Den- Denver's played one less game in conference. They're four and three. Miami is five and three. So that g- could work itself out as well. I hope Denver loses tomorrow because they get the rookie playing Paxton Lynch. Yeah. Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, yeah. Yeah. And uh, where are they? Does it show that where they are tomorrow? Because I know what you know with him playing. I mean, I think he's a pretty good player, but you know, just when you don't have your regular quarterback in there, you're at a disadvantage. They're in Jacksonville. That could be a loss. You know, Jacksonville. I had higher hopes for this year, and they're not doing it. So I'm not. I'm you not did really have high them. hopes for Jacksonville. I did. I thought they would be. I thought they would make a push into the playoff and get this that final wild card spot. I thought I thought they would. Or no, was it? No, I thought they'd win a, a bad division. That's what it was. I well, thought they would win the bad division. But you also... I also was you, right on the Raiders. Right on the Raiders. <laughs> right on the Raiders, in fact. Looking real good right now. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Last night, now that we've wrapped up the, the final predictions for your New England Patriots, 
Last night, the Boston Celtics played host to the Sacramento Kings. Of course, the big talk was not necessarily that it should be a win for the Celtics, which it was, 97-92. The big talk was, DeMarcus Cousins is coming. Watch DeMarcus Cousins. They're, you know The Kings are bound to trade him because they're so bad, they need to rebuild. And he's that talented. I don't think DeMarcus Cousins had a great game. His stat line certainly looks great. But I don't think he had a great game last night. He did finish the game with... It was his final numbers. Well, he finished the game with 28 points. Mm -hmm. He also had four blocks, which is great to see. Three assists, nine rebounds. But 28 28 points... I'll take it. Yeah, but on 26 shots. He was 10 for 26. You're a big man. Your shooting percentage should be much higher than that. He also took seven three-pointers annoys the crap out of me you're 611 you're the strongest guy on the floor stand your butt on the block and go take i mean that's why he was two for seven from beyond the arc yeah i think i just happened to catch as i was channel surfing the one he drained down the stretch to put him within a bucket or something and uh, look, and i was he, like oh my god the big fellow can stick that wow he can but he shouldn't be he right. can stick it right but it, he can stick it you know once every f- four shots. That's not a percentage I want to see. And so I don't think, look, again, final stat line, yes. If, if I hate, there are people in the major cities, in the, you know, the Boston market that don't know basketball and will look at a final stat line. Oh, 28 and 9. Well, he does this, he does that. But you're not looking at everything. You're, you're truly not because you don't understand basketball. Watching that game last night, Al Horford did outplay DeMarcus Cousins. Am I saying oh, he did? Am I saying Al Horford is a better all-around player all the time? No. What I am saying is that because Al Horford, look, I, I like the signing. I like Al Horford. I think he's an intelligent basketball player and a natural but quiet leader. Would you take a stat line finishing with twenty-six points, six blocks, two steals, three assists, eight rebounds, while shooting ten for eighteen from the field? Great game, great. I, I, honestly, I I wasn't a huge Al Horford. Well, I am a huge Al Horford fan as him as a person and his steadiness. I was just looking for more explosiveness of whoever they signed. But last night, I think we got we got a great Al Horford. <laughs> That's in. That I was is, really happy after last night, and that was in thirty six minutes of play. Al Horford looked great last night. Yeah, he did. He's a talented player. By the way, he shot seven three-pointers as well. He hit four of them. Wow. So that's over 50%. And when he shoots them, he's wide open. He doesn't take them. He doesn't force them. You Because his, his mechanics are, they can be slow. He's a big man. He's, he's a natural power forward. They're playing him at center. He's a big man. So his mechanics are a little bit slow. So when he's shooting a three, he knows he's wide open. He's not forcing anything. He played phenomenally last night, not to mention at the end of the game when there was a chance to for DeMarcus Cousins to knock down a three to, I believe it would have oh, yeah. he tied the game. Stripped him of the ball. Cousins, you know, Horford didn't do anything special. He just played tight defense with his hands straight up. Yeah. Well, Cousins, to get the ball to his right hands, tried to rip it through Al Horford's gut, basically. And all Horford did was stand there, and the ball came loose because he brushed it against his torso. And he tried to go up, tried to draw the foul. Yeah, now, he wanted a call there. But it no was call. there was no call because it was good defense. Right Last night, Al Horford did outplay uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that I think DeMarcus Cousins is a player that you shouldn't still be looking at potentially in a, as a trade target. Hmm. He's that talented, and he is... He's a head case in Sacramento, yes, but he hasn't been when he plays on those. I, I don't want to the the team Team USA. Yeah, when there are other stars around him, he's not that head case. Now the problem is when you trade for a player, generally you're trading your stars. That's the problem. So are you bringing him to a situation that will be exactly the same because you have to trade so many assets to get him? That's the question. That is the honest, true question. And if that's the case, then you can't put him in the same scenario on an opposite coast. But if you have him with people that he values as teammates, he values as players, he values as leaders, 
then he'll be fine. I think Thomas and Horford would be good influences on him. Horford will be a phenomenal influence yeah. on him. And that would put Horford in his more natural position of power forward. And oh, by the way, in today's modern NBA, I hate the people that say, oh, well, a back to the basket games is, is dead. No, it's dead because no moron can play it anymore. And you have two guys that can, but two guys that can also step outside to from 15 to 25 feet. Now, all of a sudden, you don't know which one's going to be on the block. You could throw Cousins down there. You could throw Horford down there. Right. And you could also, when they're... You, when, pop them out. Right, you pop them out if their better block defender is on the back of that one. Then you bring the other one down. That would actually be a really fun dynamic. That would be traditional basketball that could work, that would work. So for those who think, oh, well, the post game is dead, we don't want... You know, I had this discussion when I said trade for Jaleel Okafor. DeMarcus Cousins is a better player. Better defender, really just better all-around player, but a, a guy who can score on the block that you guarantee two points from are few and far between. Don't tell me that n that position is dead. Basketball is not played solely beyond the arc and solely one-on-one -on -one driving to the hole. If you have a guy that can shoot 10 for 18 on the block, that's almost a guaranteed two points every time you get it down to him. 10 for 16, take it, take it. you take it. You take it, and that's the type of player. So, did you like? I liked the lineup the the Celtics played down the stretch last night. I was going to ask you about it when I was watching. They had Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas. They had Marcus Smart. They had Al Horford, and they had Jay Crowder. I liked that lineup down yeah. the stretch. That's that's the lineup I expect out of them because that's okay. your your three best perimeter defenders, your best scorer in Isaiah Thomas, and then uh, your your best all-around player in Al Horford. That's that is the lineup that I always uh, thought would be their best lineup. And so then, with that being the five, who, now it's a small who, lineup. Who in your mind is the next three guys that you would put in the game if you were coaching? I'm just trying to get excited. Like for me to get excited about the Celtics, right? This is going to sound weird, but I don't want to see every night a different combination. Which is what you get. I with, don't like that. It's what you get with. Um, the coach, I'm blanking on it, Brad Stevens. That's I want to see a consistent five and then, okay, here are my three major role players. Well, then I can really like. Then I can really start rooting for a team. I don't like, need I to like... see Kelly Olenek. I, I don't need to see him play, okay. period. All right. I don't need to see I, – I actually kind of like Tyler Zeller in the role of backup big man, but at the same time, Amir Johnson could be that if you're talking about the lineup that you mentioned. Amir Johnson was not in it. That means Amir Johnson could be that guy. Jonas Jarebko is the type of guy that you send him out there. If he hits his first two shots, leave him in. If he misses them, bench his butt. And then Terry Rozier, I think, is a talented enough backup. So for me, a rotation afterward. And Jalen Brown just needs to improve. He needs to continue to improve, and then eventually you'll see him out there. But to me, you see um, Rozier, Johnson, Zeller as guys coming off the bench in that scenario. And try Drebko, but if he's not hitting, you bench him. So there's your 8-9, and that that I would be pretty happy with. Gerald Green, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes. if Again, another player that if he's on, leave him out there because he's a very very much like a, like a J.R. Smith almost. If he's on, he's going to be really high, but when he's off, he's going to be really low. We need to hit a final okay. break here. Uh, we have one final segment of Granite State Game Day here on ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Let your search for Mazda and Subaru dealers begin and end with North End Subaru Mazda. Only 20 miles from Nashua, North End Mazda in Lunenburg has the best deals in the area. With Mazda 3s and Subaru Forester, both leaders in their class and a giant pre-owned inventory. To look at their weekly specials, give them a call at 888-805-1469 today. They're just a click away at buynorthendmazda.com. Is your business in search of commercial property? Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com.
Corporal John Vale was injured on patrol in Kuwait. The truck flipped, a vehicle landed on me. I realized I can't move my legs. I'm looking for one person, one contact that can help me. When John arrived at the VA, there was someone, Stephen Bush of Paralyzed Veterans of America. He helped John with his claim and became his advocate to get him back into life. When I approach someone that's newly injured, I want them to feel comfortable that they're not alone. For over 65 years, Paralyzed Veterans of America, through their national service officers, has helped hundreds of thousands of veterans get the care and benefits they've earned. And their service is free to America's veterans and their families. If you need help with a claim or just navigating the system, contact us at pva.org. Paralyzed Veterans of America, changing lives, building futures. Stress, it can make your heart race your head pound, and your stomach churn. While a little stress can be a good thing and even help you perform under pressure, too much stress can be bad for your health, causing headaches, stomach pain, trouble sleeping, and even a weakened immune system. In the United States, it's estimated that up to 90% of visits to primary care doctors are due to stress-related health problems. It's hard to avoid stress altogether, but there are steps you can take to manage it. During National Stress Awareness Month in April, Visit Optum.com slash stress for more information about how to prevent stress from getting the better of you, including stress first aid techniques you can do in the moment when you're feeling stressed, and stress prevention techniques to help change the way you approach and think about certain situations. To learn more, visit Optum.com slash stress. That's O-P-T-U-M dot com slash stress. A public service message from this station. Does your child have dreams? Some babies are born with SCID, a serious defect of the immune system. Fortunately, my daughter Cassie was screened, diagnosed, treated, and cured. With newborn screening, Cassie and every child can have a lifetime of dreams. All newborns need to be screened for SCID. A simple test may save your baby's life. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. To learn more, talk to your doctor or visit our website at info4pi.org. Sergeant R.J. Anderson was devastated after learning he would never walk again. My world turned upside down. Thanks to Paralyzed Veterans of America, competing in adaptive sports lit my fire again. PVA offers amazing support and opportunities. To learn more, visit pva.org, a public service of Paralyzed Veterans of America. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. Final segment, Granite State game day, and I will have to say, no Granite State game day next weekend. Oh, I didn't turn you on. There, yeah, you, there go. you go. None the 10th. None the 10th. It is my father's, not surprise, 60th birthday party. Uh, so it's not a surprise, so I can say that on air in case he is listening. Although, you know, I found, I don't know if this happened with your family. They used to listen to me all the time when I started, and no one ever listens to me anymore. Like, they're busy doing things oh, yeah. if they're in the car they'll listen but they won't like they used to make a point to, to pull me up online and, and walk around the house if they're in the car they'll listen but they don't they, they don't like i get the same treatment way. with my kids <laughs> they used to oh dad's on the radio let's put it on you know every saturday and now it's just like oh, yeah, we're right. sleeping in right yeah exactly so that's that but anyway so his 60th so i clearly i have to take off for that i mean there's there's a lot of preparation that goes into it a ton of family are coming up from the philadelphia area so I have to take off for that. The following weekend, the 17th, I have a christening to attend. Another christening, which just, ah. Yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> so a christening to attend. And then after that, of course, um, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, uh, you know, th those types of things. Coach, you and I will not have a show that people will be sitting down listening to regularly again until the new year. So I want to make sure everyone knows that. So we will be back 7 to 9, uh, but just a heads up that uh, it'll be 2017. It will be 2017. So we will talk about the best times from 2016 when we get back, of course. And uh, that brings me to a question, Coach. The kids were just around. Do they come back? 
Are they going to come back? I mean, no, one's in just in Boston. That's not too far. But the other two will have intercession. They get three, four weeks off. Even in grad school, you get three, four weeks off. Oh, we're bringing them back for Christmas, definitely. Do they all come back for Christmas yeah. and New Year? Well, they'll be home for New Year's, but like not with you for New Year's, I'm sure. Is that what you know it works? What? I want to do something like your. Even this year, it's like as late as it is now, like a month or three weeks away or whatever. I want to do something like you do, like take the kids somewhere warm for New Year's. It's cool. I want to find some money and it's cool and pull that off even this year. I just really do. You probably should shoot for next year. Because now they're all like of age, and it's just a lot of fun now, you know? Now that's right. Even your I youngest I just want to go somewhere and like do some water sports with them and fly around on some jet skis and just be crazy. Just go to Hampton Beach. Maybe not. <laughs> a gun quit. <laughs> so everyone will come home again. It'll be nice to see them again. But I just figured I'd ask since I won't see you prior no, to that. Definitely. So I want to make sure. All right. Final point today that I want to make sure everyone is aware of. There are phenomenal college basketball games on television and throughout uh, really the, the, the nation, I guess, today. It's led by, at 1230, UCLA and Kentucky and Coach. You like offense in every it. sport. This is going to be a game that could easily, and in college basketball, it rarely gets to triple digits. This game could get to triple digits for both teams. For both, I'm watching then. 12.30. I'm blowing off the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State football game, and I'm watching this, this I'm telling you, this UCLA, you watch the point guards for both teams, watch the backcourts, really, for both teams, and if you really want more incentive, Kentucky has Wenyan Gabriel coming off their bench, who's from Manchester. He's coming off the bench. He is currently their sixth man, yes. Right. And so you can watch a New Hampshire guy. Uh, it, that's So Kentucky-UCLA is – that is the game, Coach, that is the game to watch. If you're, you're looking for – and that's at 1230. There are a ton of others, but that is the game to watch. Uh, I think Kentucky's at home, so I think Kentucky will win. I also think they're the better, better basketball team. But the better individual player may be the freshman point guard for UCLA, Lonzo Ball. So just just so you know what to look for. And it's, you know, we're looking at these games, again, if you're a Celtics fan, through the lenses of, well, like we did last year, like who who could we take? Who right. could we take? Well, I look at them for the, the pure value of the of right. college basketball. But my selling point to discussing them this early is the fact that the Celtics could be taking any one of these players, including any one of the point guards. I know they have a plethora of options in the backcourt, but if any one of these guys is better and they they do go through the draft, they could go for one of those guys. Uh, West Virginia takes on Virginia. Virginia is very talented. Oklahoma, Wisconsin. I really like Wisconsin Big Ten basketball, but an under the radar game, which shouldn't be under the radar. Xavier and Baylor, seventh seed or not seed, but seventh ranked and ninth ranked Baylor. Three thirty today on ESPN. That is uh, a game that I think uh, could be really, really fun. I mentioned URI in Providence. If you want to go locally, Gonzaga, Arizona is another one as well. Um, those are the biggest games, but like I said, watch Kentucky UCLA. If you really wanted to go local, check out Southern New Hampshire University, Devin Gilligan and Dimitri Flores from Merrimack playing together and playing well, each averaging like better than 18 points a Flores, game. Flores, a Division One transfer to Division exactly. Two. Exactly. Coach, have a great couple weeks. Have a great Christmas. Have a great yeah, year. All that too. stuff. Great we'll, holiday. We'll talk soon. Grand State Game Day for the coach. I'm Sean Sendall. Have a good one.